One of my secrets to adulthood is that great luggage makes a huge difference to your travel experience, which is why I am obsessed with Briggs & Riley. It's extremely durable, has amazing features that make packing and getting around easier, and they have the best lifetime guarantee in the industry. So if your bag is ever broken or damaged, they will repair it free of charge, no proof of purchase needed, no questions asked, even if an airline damages your bag. Yes, and I love that they have supremely smooth, shock-absorbing wheels for easy gliding through your travels. Hot off the press, the Simpatico collection of hard-sided luggage is new and improved and just launched on Briggs-Riley.com. It has the new one-touch feature, which allows you to expand your luggage, pack it, then compress it to its original size so a carry-on can still fit in the overhead compartment, and that's just one of the new features. Available in black, navy blue, and olive green. I heard there's like four different kinds of retrogrades going on. Like Mercury is in retrograde. Who knows what else? Well, you know I don't believe in any of that, so I'm not going to worry about it. Oh, tell that to my broken printer and my nanny who quit. <laughs> Point taken. <laughs> Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Liz Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in LA, and with me is my high school friend and writing partner, Sarah. That's me, Sarah Fain. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. Today, we're going to talk about group meetings and why it's so important to set a group agenda, not just an individual one. Then in our The Craft and Fame segment, we'll share one of our top pitching secrets. Finally, this week's Hollywood Hack will give you hours of cocktail conversation, if we're ever allowed to have cocktail parties again. (laughs) I hope so. I do too. But first, we have a couple updates. First, we wanted to let everyone know that this podcast was recorded before the election. So we don't know what happened. We don't know what is happening in the world right now. It's the great unknown. Yeah. So if we seem wildly out of context today, that's why. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) We are just hoping everybody voted and that all the votes are getting counted. Yes. Let's all hope for that. Okay, Sarah, we also wanted to share a couple of responses to our segment about enjoying downtime when we have it instead of filling it with busy work, which is what we usually do, um, (laughs) that we wanted to share. So I'll read the first one. Beth wrote, I recently switched from a full-time teaching job to a part-time one, and I've been really struggling with a sense of guilt about having downtime during the week while my husband works full-time. Financially, we are lucky enough so that I can work part-time, and I'm certainly busy with other endeavors, finishing my school library endorsement, beginning the adoption process as we look to create a family, but I still find myself feeling like I should be filling all of my hours with work. I often think about something that I heard Brene Brown say once, how we live in a culture that looks at busyness as a status symbol. Your podcast episode was a welcome reminder that I need to embrace and celebrate this season of a slightly slower pace. Living well is not a race. 
That was a really good reminder for me. I am guilty yeah. of that. Absolutely. Yes. The idea that busyness is a status symbol, which, you know, how did that become the case, um, <laughs> does really resonate with me. Like, yeah. maybe that's part of why I want to be busy is just so that I feel like I'm, you know, winning or something. I don't yeah. know. Totally. And then Laura wrote, just listening to your latest episode about not making work for yourself during fallow times. And I was like, I have to email because all I could think about was the two months of lockdown where I just wish I'd taken a break. I'm a photographer currently living in Rwanda, and the second we shut down, all my hard-won contracts disappeared. To make myself feel better about the uncertainty, I would sit at my desk every day thinking about marketing work and what I would do when the lockdown ended. But really, I was vacant and tired and probably did about half an hour of real work a day. If only I'd taken a month or even just two weeks to completely do nothing, I guarantee I would have been in a better headspace when lockdown ended in mid-May. My work picked up, thankfully, quickly, and I haven't had a second to myself since then. Isn't that just how it goes? In fact, I'm moving to Hanoi with my husband in a few weeks to live, and life is busier than ever. She said, keep up the great work, but also don't make extra. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people probably feel exactly the same way, that they were home. They wanted to feel like they were being productive. And now they wish they had, you know, relaxed more. Yeah. And that was probably also even subconsciously a strategy to fend off anxiety. Yes. As we always say, action is the antidote to anxiety. And so if you're feeling anxious about not having work or worried that you're not going to get work, obviously it makes sense that you would want to counteract that. Yeah. Well, the next time we have a little downtime, I'm going to spin and read books. That's my plan. Spin yarn, that is. Not spin, spin yarn. on a bicycle. Definitely not on a bicycle. <laughs> And I will read books and hike. Oh, nice. All right, Sarah, it is time for From the Treadmill Desk Sub, in which we talk about what's most pressing in our work psyches. And this week, it's if you have a group meeting, have a group agenda. Yes. And we've talked about this before in terms of us having an agenda going into a meeting, in terms of I speak of us as one entity. And so yes. I'm going to say an individual having an agenda going into a meeting. But we haven't talked about it. If you have a large group of people, which happens all the time, where you're interviewing someone, where you're all trying to get a project, where you're doing something as a group. And yeah. this came up because we recently had a meeting with a pretty big group of people. And it seemed that they were kind of working at cross purposes. Yeah, they all seem to have different things that they wanted to get out of the meeting, yeah. which would be okay if the things went together. But in this case, they really didn't. So one thing that happened was that different people would ask the same question just with different words. So it seemed like they weren't listening to each other or to us because we'd be like, didn't we answer this question five minutes ago? So then we were sort of confused, like, wait, did we misunderstand the question? Yeah. And we just also felt like, why are we just saying the same things over and over? It was odd. Yeah. And it was it was just an odd meeting. But and I guess that's the point. Like when you come into a meeting with a group that is at cross purposes, it makes for a very strange meeting. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, 
Uh, because we also like the meeting that we got once we were in the meeting was different than the information we got before the meeting. And different people seem to have different takes on the information. Yes. I mean, it even happened that like one person would ask a question and then right as we're about to answer it, another person would ask their question before we answered the first question. So it seemed like they weren't even in alignment over what questions they wanted us to be answering. Yeah. And it adds up to this sense, and this is why it's something to be aware of, that if the entire group isn't on the same page, it just doesn't bode well for the project. Like, for us, it, it was very informative because we could say, like, okay, it looks like everyone involved in this is kind of coming at it from different directions. Therefore, we don't want to be the people who have to come in and try and help everyone sort out their varying agendas. That's not a role yes. we want in this situation. <laughs> Yes. But it was also enlightening because, of course, we often have meetings as part of a larger group. Yeah. Whether it's with producers, executives, directors, and it made us realize it's a good idea for us to talk about our agenda. Like if there's four of us in a meeting, you and I do this automatically, but we wouldn't necessarily think to do it with others before, let's say, interviewing a director. Right. So I think it was actually very helpful to us. It really Gave was. Us a good tool for the toolbox. Yes, I think about like the next time we have to go into a budget meeting with a studio and we're with producers and we're with, mm, yeah. uh, you know, a, a director producer and we're with all these people. If we go in as, yes, we know what we're going to do. We're a team. We've got this. People come out of that going, all right, we're fine. But if you go in talking over each other or disagreeing about what you want to get out of something, you just don't come across like you have your shit together. Yeah. So I think it's worth taking a little bit of time before the meeting, just the way we say always reread an email, especially a work email before you send it. Just take five minutes before a meeting to make sure you're all on the same page. Because um, as you're saying, it's not just about what you want from the meeting. It's about what you don't want, which is you don't want to project yourself as somebody who doesn't have their act together. Right. Here's a question I have, Liz. Yeah. Should people even, should we even go so far as to designate someone as the, okay, if we veer off track, Liz, mm. you get us back on track? I think it's a great idea. Yeah. If you see someone veering away from the agenda, yeah, bring it back. And, ha and that person can be looking for that. Exactly. Yeah. And then just make sure you, because this was the thing I think that derailed that particular meeting, just make sure that you don't let your individual agenda detract from the group agenda by not listening to people. Because, of course, even in group meetings, you should have your own agenda. We always do. But you can't let it. They have to be all, everybody's agenda has to be toward the same thing. Mm -hmm. Yes, because if you're dealing with a group of people who can't set a cohesive agenda for one meeting, <laughs> that is a big mess waiting to happen. Yes, red flag, red flag. And this goes for any industry. I mean, all industries have meetings with many with many people in them. And I'm sure all, they, all these meetings can go awry. So don't let that be you. Yes, backing quietly out of a meeting is something that happens <laughs> yes. everywhere. Okay, Liz, next up we talk pitching, but first this break. Liz, 
Liz, there is nothing I love more than having a delicious meal that I didn't have to cook, which is why I have been getting no prep, no mess meals from Factor. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Last night, I had blackened salmon with broccoli and with cauliflower rice. It was so delicious. It was the perfect dinner. Head to factormeals.com slash HIH50 and use code HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code HIH50 at factormeals.com slash HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. It's time for our segment, The Craft and Fane, in which we discuss the craft of writing. Because although writing is an art, it is also a craft. Today, we're talking about the craft of pitch writing. And here is our tip. Get out a pen if you are someone who pitches, (laughs) because this is very important. Okay. Tell them what you're going to say, say it, and then tell them you said it. It might sound ridiculous, but time and time again, we realize that our pitches are strongest when we do this. It's so true. Yeah. People like to know what you're going to tell them so they're prepared for it. Then, of course, you have to tell them. And then once you're done telling them, it is very helpful to tell them what you've just said. Yeah. There's something comforting in now we're going to tell you about the pilot. And then here we are telling you about the pilot. We just told you about the pilot. It's like a warm security blanket. And can it be redundant? Absolutely, yes. But if it's done well, it really should make your pitch resonate. And Sarah, I was just going to add, it's not even just like, we're going to tell you about the pilot. Here's the pilot. We told you about the pilot. It's like, We're going to tell you about the pilot in which the main character learns, you know, that home was always three clicks of the heel away. And then we tell the story of learning that home was three clicks of the heels away. And then we say, and what we just told you is this character learned, you know, home is three clicks away. Right. I mean, it's it's that specific. Yeah, it really is. And this is sadly one of those things that we have to learn over and over again. We've talked about that before, how there are certain things that you learn them and then they go away and then you have to relearn them. And that happened to us recently. We were working on a pitch. I mean, we've been working on a pitch for months at this point, draft after draft. We were very proud of it. We love the project. Yeah, we're like, we've nailed this, baby. This This is perfect. Check. Got it. And then we pitched it to a group of very smart executives, and we got their notes, and... We realized, oh, shit, we didn't do what we always say we're going to do in a pitch. We did not tell them we were going to say it, say it, and then tell them we said it. All we had done was say it. But the meat of our pitch, the thing that makes everyone nod and say, yes, we're buying this, did not land. And that's because we hadn't set it up properly. Right. And I think also, this is not that. In this case, we really did fail to do our mission. 
And Mm -hmm. now we have that in the pitch, and it's much stronger because we learned it again. But also, people do not listen that well. I think that's part of it also. Like, pitches can be long and ponderous, and if they're in person, you know, people can't look at their phones. But if they're over Zoom, people can. And it's you have to keep people engaged, yes, but it's very hard to do that for 25 minutes, right? So if you say something a few times, but differently worded, it's much more likely to land. Yeah, I mean, I know um, for me, when someone's pitching to us, especially on Zoom, like they might say something and then my mind goes off in a direction uh, that that triggered. And then I'm in my own head for 30 seconds before I tune back in. I may have missed really important stuff, but nobody's going to say, oh, excuse me, I just completely spaced out. Please go back three minutes in your pitch. You know, it just doesn't happen. So you, it's what you're saying. You need to say the same thing over and over, hopefully in a new and interesting way so they don't realize that's what you're doing. But it does really make it land and therefore resonate and therefore seem like something other people are going to be interested in. Yes. So what we have done in this segment is tell you that our favorite pitch tool is say what you're going to (laughs) say, say it, and then say you said it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, we have. We followed our own rule. By the way, it did lead to some hellish days, our realization yeah. this time, but I'm so glad we spent those hellish days. It was oh, well God. worth it. Absolutely. Also, we wanted to emphasize, this is a great rule for pitch writing and other sales tools. This is not something we're suggesting for scripts. Right. If you did this in scripts, it would be, I mean, they would be like the worst scripts in the world. Yes. It's a totally different type of writing. It really is. It's a, They're sales documents. Yeah. You know, we're really sales ladies. <laughs> At least in this part. I mean, that's kind of what yeah. we like about our job is that there are different elements to the job. Yeah. But yes, 100%, this part is fully sales. Yeah. Okay. Next up, this week's Hollywood hack will help distract you from whatever anxieties are keeping you up at night. But first, this break. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, Sarah, it is time for this week's Hollywood hack, which is take a deep dive into a subject. Yes. So lately, it seems like there are multiple pieces produced about the same subject and in multiple mediums, especially TV and podcasts. Yes. So, for example, there were two documentaries about the Fire Festival debacle. Of course, I watched both of them. Yes. And now there's also, I think, a podcast by that oh, Fire Festival guy. I need to listen to that. Although then he got put in solitary, so I'm not sure it's still oh. going on. <laughs> And then when you think about Theranos, oh. you know, which was the company that Elizabeth Holmes founded, she's been indicted. Um, there was a book we loved called Bad Blood. There was a documentary 
There was at least one podcast. I mean, you and I, all of our viewing, listening for weeks was just about Theranos. We were were Theranos experts. And then, of course, there was the the Staircase, which was the documentary from a long time ago. Yes. And then they did new episodes of the documentary. And then there was a podcast. And then they updated the podcast. Same thing. It's just like there are so many different media now. Yeah. Because I feel like in the past, if someone was doing a documentary about something, other people wouldn't do it. No, and you know what I will add is now they're doing scripted dramas based on documentaries, which also didn't happen very often, unless it was like a Lifetime movie or something about, you know, Ted Bundy. But now that's happening all the time. And Sarah, right now, I am deep into the world of Nexium, which is a cult that was led by a guy named Keith Ranieri, who was just sentenced to 120 years in prison. I have watched The Vow, which is an HBO documentary series about Nexium. I am currently watching a documentary series called Seduced Inside the Nexium Cult, which is on Stars. And I will tell you that I subscribe to Stars just so I can watch it. (laughs) And I just finished um, listening to a podcast called Undercover Escaping Nexium. And I found another one, which is like, I think, called Nexium The Trial that I'm about to start. So you're, like, well-versed <laughs> in everything related yes. to Nexium. And what's yeah. interesting about it, I haven't seen any of the Nexium stuff, but just in talking to you about it, you get really different information even from the two documentaries. Yes, and that's part of why we thought this is a, would be a good hack is because it really shows you what a lens is put on to material by whoever's creating it. So whoever's point of view it's in is that person is going to come off better, uh, most likely, than Mm -hmm. if it's in the point of view of another person. And all of these different things that I'm watching and listening to are done by different people and focus on different people and different aspects of the cult, because this cult... It's so hard to explain, but it is just very far reaching in terms of where it goes. So there's a lot of different things you can shine a light on. And depending on what you shine a light on, the cult seems sort of more or less menacing. Right. Cecilia Peck um, did Seduced inside the Nexium cult, right? The Stars documentary. And she's amazing. She did the Dixie Chicks documentary. I think it's called I'm Not Ready to Make Nice. After the big kerfuffle when they said they wish George Bush wasn't from Texas, she did like a brilliant documentary about that, seduced inside the Nexium cult. And it sounds like you watched it after the vow, which it sounds like is the way to do it. Yes, because I think it's interesting to see the vow, which is a little bit uh, more, the the cult doesn't seem as bad. And then when you watch seduced, you're like, whoa, this is really (laughs) bad. But, you know, maybe if I watched that first, I would I, I would feel differently. You know, it's uh-huh. like whatever order you watch or listen, you always think that's the right order. Right. But just as a storyteller, it makes me realize, oh, I should think about all these different things. Even though we're always doing fiction, we're not doing mm-hmm. nonfiction. It points out just like how many ways you can tell a story. Right. Yeah. Well, that's why you loved the affair. 
Well, that's true. The affair did that, yes, within the actual show. Yeah. Um, it also reminds me of a book that my sister Gretchen wrote called 40 uh-huh. Ways um, to Look at Winston Churchill, because it was 40 chapters in which she presents a lot of equally convincing, contradictory arguments about Churchill, because her point was always, depending who on who the biographer is, you get a completely different view of Churchill. And she wrote a similar book um, about JFK. So for anyone who wants to read those. But anyway, I just think this idea, some, find something you're interested in. There are so many different things. And then do the deep dive. And also, it's just so entertaining. Yeah. If I want to know something, I want to know more. Right. And then it's even better if you do a deep dive with friends at the same time. Like doing the Theranos deep dive was so fun. <laughs> You know, the friends makes a big difference. Yes. And believe you me, Sarah, any person I speak to, I am begging them to jump on the Nexium bandwagon. And I have gotten a few and you're my next target. I I will get in there. I'm going to jump in maybe even today to distract me from whatever happens with the election. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And please also send us your deep dive recommendations. I may not catch up with Liz on Nexium, but we can do the next one together. So if there's something we should be taking a deep dive on, please let us know. The juicier, the better. Yes, we love to deep dive. And that is it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. We love to hear from you. Email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and please subscribe if you haven't already. Thanks to our executive producer, the amazing Chuck Reed. Thanks to everyone at Sancola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram at Sancola Sound. Thanks to everyone at Cadence 13. And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Check out the other Onward Project podcasts, Happier with Gretchen Rubin, Side Hustle School, and Do the Thing from Whole30's Melissa Urban. And check out the newest Onward Project podcast, Everything Happens with Kate Bowler. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at Liz Craft and Sarah is at S Fane. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join the conversation. Until next week, I'm Sarah Fane. And I'm Liz Craft. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. I am unbelievably filled with anxiety. Oh, Sarah, I went to the grocery store yesterday and got like four cases of Diet Coke, six bottles of wine, (laughs) tortilla chips. Just to like get through the week. I'm like, it's just happening. (laughs) Let's be real. From the Onward Project.